Welcome to the Gateway Scottsdale audio podcast. Thanks for joining us for this week's message. We pray God speaks to you through this message and through his word today. For more information about our church, please visit us at www.gatewayscottsdale.tv. Now, let's tune in for this week's message. We've been in our series on grace, titled Grace Upon Grace, for the last month. And we have learned the first four weeks, we talked about grace, 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 grace. We're taking a little turn this week. And over the last month, we've learned that we are totally and completely saved by grace through faith apart from works. But there's a very important question we must ask. Do our works matter? And the title of this message is, What About Works? I want to show you right off the bat what Ephesians chapter 2, starting in verse 8, says about this very conversation. For by grace you have been saved through faith. Past tense, just like we talked about last week. And that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship. Think about that. I am God's work. You are God's work. Created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Now I want you to notice two prepositions in this passage. I know some of you hate English, so I'm already losing you by using the word preposition. But I want you to notice two prepositions, by and for. We are saved by grace. We're not saved by good works. We're saved by grace. And we are saved for good works. Not for happiness, not even fulfillment. We are saved for good works. And it says we are created in Christ Jesus. Now I want to show you what 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 says about this very thing. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ... He is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. All right. You were born in sin. You were born in bad deeds. Okay, we talked about that last week. But you were saved. You were reborn for good works. Okay? Created anew in Christ Jesus. You were first born into this world in bad deeds, in sin born in sin and iniquity, but you were reborn at salvation for good works. And it's what we're going to spend this entire message talking about. And the argument between the grace camp and the works camp can be boiled down to one single question. And the question that they argue over is not, are we saved by grace or works? The Bible is so clear on that, it's obvious we're saved by grace through faith apart from works. So the argument between the grace camp and the works camp is not over, are we saved by grace or works? Their argument is also not over, can I lose my salvation, which we talked about last week. The argument between the grace camp and the works camp can be boiled down to this one single question. Are we judged by grace or are we judged by works? And before you answer the question, don't say it out loud because I don't want you to get it wrong, all right? Are we judged by grace, or are we judged by works? And here's the answer. Yes. Which is the exact same answer I give my wife 
when she occasionally asks me, babe, would you like brownies or homemade vanilla bluebell ice cream? To which I respond, yes, both. I'll take both, yes. Are we judged by grace? Are we judged by works? Yes, we're judged by both. As a believer and an unbeliever. This is for believers and unbelievers. Are we judged by our works? The answer is yes. Now, for some of you, that may be a little bit different than what you grew up being taught about the Bible. And here's the great thing. That's why we have the Bible. Not so that we can just come up with what we think is right. God gave us his word so that we could find what really is right. So let me show you a couple of passages. I'm going to show you five passages related to each of us, all of us, being judged according to our works. Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 14. For God will bring every work into judgment, including every secret thing, whether good or evil. This next one is talking about unbelievers. Revelation 20, verse 13. The sea gave up the dead who were in it, and death and Hades delivered up the dead who were in them. And they, speaking of unbelievers, were judged, each one, according to his works. This next one is about believers, 1 Peter 1.17. And if you call on the Father, who without partiality judges according to each one's work, conduct yourselves throughout the time of your stay here in fear or in awe and reverence. Matthew 16, verse 27, for the Son of Man will come in, in the glory of his Father and with his angels, and then he will reward each according to his works. Revelation 22, verse 12, Jesus says, and behold, I'm coming quickly, and my reward is with me to give to everyone according to his work. Okay, let me ask you a question. Are you an each? Yes. It's an easy question. It's a soft, softball, okay? Yes. Are you in every one? Yes. Okay, I just gave you five passages of Scripture that all say we are each going to be judged by our works. What's the easiest way to understand grace and works? Well, really, the easiest way to understand those two things is to understand two other words, belief and behavior. Belief and behavior. What you believe determines where you go for eternity. How you behave determines how you spend eternity. Okay. Some of you, your minds are blown because you've never heard that before. I'm going to show it to you in the Bible. Your belief determines where you spend eternity. But your behavior on the earth determines how you spend eternity. Think about this. Because I don't know if, if everybody really processes this completely. How you behave on the earth determines things like what rewards you'll have in heaven. It determines things like what responsibilities you'll have in heaven. How you behave on the earth determines what treasure you'll have when you get to heaven. Think about it. Jesus said, store up for yourselves treasure in heaven. Is that correct? Jesus said that, right? Okay. 
Jesus did not say, store up for my father and me. Jesus said, store up for yourselves. In other words, Jesus didn't say, hey, um, the thing is, we, we started this construction project up here, and uh, we're paving the streets with gold, and we, we, we kind of messed up on the numbers, and we're running out of gold, so if you could, if it's all right with you, if you could just send some on ahead, that'd be great. Now, he didn't say that. He said, store up for yourselves treasure in heaven. Apparently, we're going to be doing business in heaven or transacting in heaven. And Jesus, whom I assume knows exactly what he's talking about, says to us, hey, it'd be wise of you to store your treasure up in heaven because where you're going, you're going to need it. You're going to want to have it. Okay. I know this is a lot for some of you to think about, but I'm asking you to keep an open mind as we walk through Scripture and we talk about works. Our belief determines where we go, but our behavior determines how things go in eternity, such as what responsibility will I have? Do you remember in Luke chapter 19, Jesus is telling the parable of the minas, and remember, Jesus taught us parables to understand the kingdom of God. And he tells the, the story of, of the minas, and to one was given 10 minas, and that person came back with 10 more. And to that person, he said, you're a faithful servant. Rule over 10 cities. To the one who was given five and brought back five more, he said, you're a faithful servant. Rule over five cities. Now, I don't know if you've ever thought about this before. But if you get your theology of heaven from cartoons, then you honestly think that we're going to hover around on clouds, eat grapes, and enjoy harp music in heaven. No, no. It's a perfect heaven and a perfect earth. No sin. And apparently, someone's going to be leading ten cities. Someone leading five. There are going to be levels of leadership in heaven. Now, some you might push back on that. Say, well, I, I believe we're all going to be equal. That's impossible. That's not scriptural. And I'll, I'll give you two words that help just put that to rest. According to. Each person is judged according to. Each person is rewarded. Each believer is rewarded according to their good works. And all of our works are not the same. Which means all of our rewards will not be the same. They're going to be different. How we behave determines things like what responsibilities we'll have in heaven. Now, I know that after spending four weeks on grace, now we go to judgment, and some of you are thinking, oh my word, I didn't think we were going to talk about judgment in a series on grace, because those two things fight against each other. Listen, the best time to talk about judgment is after you've gotten a full understanding of the grace of God. They don't fight with one another, and that's what you're going to see. It's entirely possible if you misunderstood grace, you probably misunderstood judgment too. So let's talk about judgment. There are two judgments on the day of judgment. Most people think because there's a day of judgment that there's only one judgment. There's not. There are two. Okay? There's the judgment seat of Christ, which is for all believers. That's where they'll stand before God. 
and that is decided by belief on the earth. And we'll talk about that later in the message. The other judgment is the great white throne judgment. That's where all unbelievers will go and stand before God, and all of their works will be judged accordingly. Okay, here's what, what you really need to understand. It is not determined on the day of judgment whether you will go to heaven or hell. I don't know why, but a lot of Christians believe that we have to wait until the day of judgment to find out if we were good enough to get to heaven. No, no, no. Jesus, my belief in Jesus and his sacrifice on the cross and his resurrection from the dead enable me to spend eternity in heaven. That is decided on the earth by believing. That's not decided on judgment day. Okay? It is not determined on the day of judgment whether you go to heaven or you go to hell. That's decided on the earth by believing or by unbelieving. The Bible says it's appointed unto man once to die and then comes judgment. That's Hebrews chapter 9. Here's another way to say that. You determine which judgment you will attend. And I don't mean to be morbid, but if you're here today and you're an unbeliever, you're not yet a believer, and you decide after the service to go out and have lunch, and you are killed in a car accident, you have already decided which judgment you will attend. Now, you might think, well, you're trying to scare me. No, I'm not. I'm trying to give you a heads up. There's still time. You still have time to make the single greatest decision you will ever make in your life. You can determine only while you're here on the earth which judgment you will attend. And it happens by believing or unbelieving. There are two judgments. And at each judgment, you only go to one. Remember, believers go to the judgment seat of Christ. Unbelievers go to the great white throne judgment. At each judgment, every person at one judgment or the other stands before God and has their works judged by God. And to try and make this message as simple as possible, because I know it's talking about some stuff we don't talk a lot about in church, to try and make it as simple as possible, there are only two points in this message, and they're not flashy at all, okay? Here's point number one, the judgment seat of Christ. Let's talk about the judgment seat of Christ. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10. Speaking to believers, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. Romans chapter 14, verse 10. But why do you judge your brother? Again, obviously speaking to believers. Or why do you show contempt for your brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Now, if you opened up to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, let's read it. This shows us what's going to happen for believers on the day of judgment at the judgment seat of Christ. All right? So I want you to see this. If you don't have your Bible, read it on the screen. Don't just listen to me read it. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 10. Paul says this. According to the grace of God, which was given to me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation. And another builds on it. Okay, hit the pause button there. 
Some believe that another refers to Apollos, his sidekick, or another co-laborer. It does not. It refers to you. It refers to me, and you'll see it. But let each one, remember, are you in each? Yes. Let each one take heed how he builds on it. For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, or wood, hay, and straw, look at those last three. Those last three have one thing in common. They're all flammable. That's important to remember because you're about to see a fire is coming. Verse 13, each one's work will become clear. For the day, capital D, the day of judgment, will declare it because it will be revealed by fire. And the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. If anyone's work, which he has built on it, endures, he will receive a reward. Remember, this is talking to believers now, verse 15. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, yet so as through fire. You see it right there. Belief saves a person. Their works don't. If it's all bad works, their works are going to be burned up. But if they believed on Jesus, they're going to heaven for eternity. Now, as a believer, I want you to understand, if you're a believer in Jesus, the two types of works, and many would say good and bad, okay? I want you to see it a little bit differently. Eternal and temporal, okay? Eternal works are works that last forever. That's why they're called eternal works. Temporal works are works that burn up. So they're works that are done, but they don't make it through the fire. And the Bible says, if any work which you do that is eternal, you will be rewarded for. And any work which you do that is temporal will be lost. And there is actually a very famous passage of Scripture in the most famous sermon in all of human history that talks about reward and even losing reward. It's the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 6. Listen to what Jesus says in verse 1. Take heed that you do not do your charitable deeds before men to be seen by them. Otherwise, you have no reward from your Father in heaven. Therefore, when you do a charitable deed, do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have glory from men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. In other words, they're not getting anything for that. Anything they got, they got right then and they're never getting anything else because of it. But when you do a charitable deed, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. That your charitable deed may be done in secret and your father who sees in secret, watch this next part, will himself reward you openly. Think about this. You're going to meet if you're a believer in Jesus, you're going to meet the God of the universe. If you're an unbeliever, you're going to meet him too, but it's going to be under drastically different circumstances. As a believer in Jesus, you're going to meet the Father. And he's going to reward you on the day of judgment. That flies in the face of most people's theology of the day of judgment as believers. We think we're, we're going to endure the same judgment as unbelievers. No, it's two totally different judgments. Same day, different judgment. 
I think a lot of people think that heaven is just going to be this massive cattle call with billions of people standing outside the pearly gates and some old guy is going to come and unlock the gate and before he opens the doors, he's going to get on the loudspeaker of heaven and go, y'all done so good, come on in. No, that's not how it's going to happen. Number one, angels, I'm pretty sure, don't talk like Texans. But number two, the Bible says you're going to stand before God, not somebody else, before God. And God is personally going to reward you according to your good works. 1 John chapter 2, verse 28 says to believers, and now, little children, children of God, abide in him, that when he appears, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. Why would a believer be ashamed to stand before Jesus at the second coming? The answer is very simple. Because they realized they wasted their life on earth. They believed. They get into heaven. They're not ashamed of that. They're excited. They're happy about that. They're ashamed before Jesus because they realized they wasted their life on the earth. Let me just contextualize it. They never led anybody to Jesus. They never brought waters to the church for homeless people during a 121 degree summer. Remember, just contextualizing so we can kind of know what, what it looks like to do good deeds in our own neck of the woods. They never went to an equip class to learn about the character of God. They never went to a group. They never served the local church. They never, never tithed. Never stepped out in faith and did anything. Just rocked along. Basically, they just attended church. I hope you're seeing in 1 John chapter 2, it's entirely possible for a believer to be saved, to believe and get to heaven, but also stand before Jesus ashamed. Well, precedent, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We're not talking about condemnation. We're talking about being ashamed of how much time I wasted on the earth. And I, for one, don't want to find myself in that position. I want there to be a lot to be excited about when I stand before Christ at his second coming. Summertime is kind of synonymous for kids with camp. And so I, I want you to kind of just role play with me for a minute. And I want you to put yourself back in the role of being a child, okay? Your parents send you off to camp. You don't want to go. You go kicking and screaming. And the first moment you arrive, they immerse all of the campers in activities and events immediately. And so for the next five days, you kind of go through the motions. And sometimes you play and other times you don't. You're just frustrated you got to be there. And so you sit in the sideline. And then the last night of camp, the director of the camp gathers all the campers in the gymnasium and says over the microphone, we're now going to give out some awards to some campers who did some really great things this week. Now, you may not be as competitive as I am, and that's okay. But if you have a sliver of a competitive bone in your body, I know you're thinking what I would be thinking in that situation. Hold up. Nobody told me there were going to be awards. You should have told me when I first got here there were going to be awards because then I would have tried harder. I would have actually given it my all. 
But nobody told me there are going to be awards at the end of camp. Okay, listen closely. We're not going to get awards when we get to heaven because you get awards when you win. And to win, you have to compete against others. We're not competing against others. Therefore, we're not going to get awards when we get to heaven. But we are going to receive rewards. And you get a reward when you've done something well. And I don't want you to get to the day of judgment and be that camper that says, what? Nobody told me. He's passing out rewards. And I'm going to be ashamed. I've got no rewards. I just did my own thing. I mean, I went to church, but I never did anything else. I mean, I'm glad I got here, but nobody told me we were, we were handing out rewards. Okay, you can't say that anymore. We are each going to be judged according to our own works. All believers, we get to heaven, but we're still going to stand before God at the judgment seat of Christ. And our works will be judged. But think about this. As a believer in Jesus, God says to you, I choose, we talked about this last week, I choose to remember your sins no more. He says that. He says, I'm never bringing those things up again. Now wrap your mind around what that means. God says about all your bad deeds, I I choose to remember them no more, never bring them up again. But he doesn't say that about your good deeds. Why? He says, I choose not to remember your bad deeds. But he doesn't say that about your good deeds. Why? Because he's recording them. Before you get all anxious, oh my goodness, God's recording my good deeds. I better have a lot of them. Okay, before you go there, let me tell you why he's recording your good deeds. Don't let this scare you. But he's recording your good deeds to reward you. Oh my goodness. How dare he? How dare he? He's so mean and vengeful and judgmental. You mean I'm as a believer going to stand before God at the judgment seat of Christ and he's going to reward me for my good deeds? How dare he? Maybe because you've misunderstood grace much of your life, it's caused you to misunderstand judgment your whole life. And as a believer in Jesus, you are not subjected to the same judgment that an unbeliever is. Jesus died to make sure of that. Here's point number two. The great white throne judgment. The great white throne judgment. Every person at the great white throne judgment is an unbeliever. And many ask, well, why, why do they call it the great white throne judgment? Why do theologians refer to it as such? I'm going to teach you why, all right? Flip over if you put a marker in Revelation 20. Revelation chapter 20, verse 11. Then I saw a great white throne. They couldn't come up with anything better than that. The great white throne judgment. And I saw him who sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away. And there was found no place for them. Remember, speaking of unbelievers, and I saw the dead, 
small and great, standing before God, and books were opened. And another book was open, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to their works by the things which were written in the books. Do you see it? Belief, behavior, even for unbelievers, judged by belief and behavior. The book of life records belief and unbelief. The other books record the works. We just read it. Verse 13, the sea gave up the dead who were in it, and death and Hades delivered up the dead who were in them. And they were judged, each one, according to his works. Okay, so we talked about that there are degrees of rewards, but there are also degrees of punishment. Let's talk this out. Let's take believers. Will a believer who chooses not to do any good deeds on the earth get the same reward as the believer who does many good deeds. And let's just contextualize. They, they bring waters to the homeless. In fact, they don't wait for the church to go down and minister to the homeless. They just go down every once in a while and help feed the homeless by themselves. They lead people to Jesus. They go to an equipped class. They serve the local church. They tithe. Is the believer who chooses to do no good deeds going to get the same reward as the believer who does many good deeds? No. Okay, let's talk unbelievers. Will the unbeliever who lives a really great life, does really good deeds, I mean, they, they seem to live an exemplary life, but they just choose not to believe in Jesus. Will that unbeliever get the same punishment as Adolf Hitler, who was responsible for 11 million murders? No. Okay, well, here's my question to you. How do you know? How do you know? that those two believers aren't going to get the same reward and those two unbelievers are not going to get the same punishment. Here's how you know. Because God is a just God. And this judgment we're talking about for both believers and unbelievers is a righteous judgment. Meaning we are each judged according to our own works. Each of us. And let me show you some degrees. That there are degrees of torment or suffering in scripture. Matthew chapter 11, verse 20. Then Jesus began to rebuke the cities in which most of his mighty works had been done because they did not repent. Woe to you, Chorazin. Woe to you, Bethsaida. For if the mighty works which were done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, notably bad cities, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. But I say to you, it will be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon, the notably bad cities, in the day of judgment than for you. And you, Capernaum, who are exalted to heaven, will be brought down to Hades. For if the mighty works which were done in you had been done in Sodom, it would have remained until this day or not been destroyed. But I say to you, Capernaum, that it shall be more tolerable for the land of Sodom in the day of judgment than for you. These words, more tolerable, literally mean less suffering. That there will be less suffering. In other words, degrees of suffering or torment or punishment. Just as for the believer, there will be degrees of rewards. For unbelievers, there will be degrees of suffering. Because God is a just God. Now, remember earlier in the message when we talked about 
Jesus saying, store up for yourselves treasure in heaven. Remember that? Okay, I want you to remember that phrase as I read you this next verse, which is speaking to unbelievers. Romans chapter 2, verse 5. But in accordance with your hardness and your impenitent heart, you are treasuring up. Unbelievers are treasuring up wrath in the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God. Unbelievers are storing up wrath. Now, listen, I know that for some of you, this message is a little bit too black and white. It, it's a little bit too truth right up in our face. And you might kind of be thinking, well, I, I wish he would just teach. Well, as long as you're good, we all go to heaven because there really is no hell. And as crazy as that sounds, some are teaching that. But here's what you have to know about that teaching. That's crazy talk. And that is not what Jesus said. Let's call that talk what it is, unscriptural, heretical. I, I can't just make stuff up to make you feel better. I've got to give you the truth. That's what this is. I've got to give you the truth. Some might be thinking, well, I, I, I wish he would just teach that, you know, as, as long as we believe, when we get to heaven, we're all going to be equal. That's not what the Bible says. Because the Bible says, according to. And none of us have done the same works. So my reward is going to be different than your reward. Listen, I've, I've got to give you the truth. Here's what I feel like in this message. I feel like a doctor who's kind of gotten a reputation for a bad bedside manner. You know, they, they kind of bring you news and, and it feels like they're, they're not very sweet when they bring you bad news. Well, listen, I'm not giving you bad news. Everything we're talking about today is actually really good news. Because if your heart is still beating and your lungs are still operating, even if you're an unbeliever, everything you've heard today is good news. It's good news. And you can say to your doctor, I'm not sick. I am not sick, doc. But when the doctor starts evaluating your vitals, it becomes very obvious whether you're healthy or sick. And if you're an unbeliever and you hear this message and you go, you know what, I'm going to believe. Because I just heard, if you believe, you go to heaven. But if all I miss out on are rewards, if I do whatever I want here on earth, no big deal. At least I still get in. So I'm going to believe, but I'm going to live how I want to on the earth. Okay, if that's your thought, if that's your plan, hear me. You are not saved. Preston, how dare you tell me I'm not saved? I'm not. The Bible is. Well, President, the Bible says that if I believe, I'll spend eternity in heaven. And that's right. And in many passages, belief is attached to repentance, which means to change the way you think about your own life. It's no longer yours. It belongs to God. And anyone who says, I'm going to believe, but I'm going to live however I want. I'm just going to live like hell. You're not saved. It doesn't make me a bad doctor to say, I hate to tell you, but all of your vitals point to sickness. I'm not trying to scare you. Don't be scared. I'm just telling you, if you're an unbeliever, you have a sickness. That sickness is sin. And every believer in this room once had that sickness. 
but we found the cure. That cure is Jesus Christ and his shed blood for all of our sin. So you can get mad at me. You can yell at the doctor and say, how dare you tell me I have a disease? You can focus on that part or you can focus on the cure part. He's given you a cure. But you have to decide whether or not you want to take it. Now, I know in this message, we talked a lot about judgment. And some of you are even right now judging me because you feel like I'm judging you. I can feel it, all right? I'm not judging you. And I don't want you to hear judgment from this message. I want you to be ready for judgment because of this message. Those are two totally different things. I don't want you to feel judgment. I want you to be ready for judgment. I want you to understand what the day of judgment looks like for believers and unbelievers. But if, if you're here and you just feel judged, you're feeling really, really frustrated because you feel like I'm judging you, let me help you feel better. Because I know the human condition is such that many of us feel better when we realize someone else has it worse than us. So if you feel judged, let me help you feel better about yourself and your judgment. There is someone who has it much worse as it relates to judgment than you do. It's me. That's why I'm not judging you. Because James chapter 3, verse 1 says, I'm going to receive a more strict judgment than you. It says this, my brethren, let, many, let not many of you become teachers, knowing that as teachers we shall receive a stricter judgment. I had to decide early on in life if I was going to obey God and walk out this calling of helping you be ready for judgment that in doing so, I was going to incur more strict judgment. And to tell you the truth, I'm not all that excited about it. But it is worth it. I don't want you to be the camper that gets to the day of judgment and goes, I had no idea. I want you to be ready. And as a believer in Jesus, you are sentenced to heaven for eternity but you will still be judged for your works. Every one of your works is gonna be judged before God at the judgment seat of Christ on the day of judgment. And here's my heart. I want you to hear my heart. I don't want you to feel judged. I want you to be ready. I want when God calls your name. And if there's a long line of people behind you waiting for their moment to stand before God at the judgment seat of Christ, I want you to step up and for God to look over your shoulder and yell out to everyone behind you, this one's going to take a while. A lot of good works in these books I've been recording. This is going to be fun. Y'all just stay patient. Because we're going to celebrate some good works that were done. And my name on the earth through this woman, through this man. Listen to me. Only you can determine 
how much the two of you will have to talk about on the day of judgment. You're going to stand before God and your works are going to be judged. And I can't decide how much you and God have to talk about. Only you can determine how that conversation goes. And think about this. The God of the universe says, I remember your sins no more. Jesus died to release you, to forgive you of all of those things. I forgive you. I'm not bringing those things up ever again. On this day of judgment, for you as a believer, I want to celebrate all the good works you've done. And I want to reward you. Works do matter. Because you have been created for good works. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. I want us just to take a minute as we have every week in this series. We're just going to have a, a time of worship and you can sing along with Matt or you can just let him prophetically sing over you as you have a private moment with the God of the universe. The Spirit of God is in this room right now. And I feel like what we need to do in this moment, as believers, if you're a believer, you just need to take a deep breath. Breathe in and breathe out. Because you may have come in this weekend thinking that the day of judgment was like the, the flip of a coin and, and you weren't sure which way it was going to go. And you heard today, no, that is settled by believing in Jesus during your time on the earth. Day of judgment is not about where you go. It's about how things go where you go. So take a deep breath. And in doing so, receive the breath of God to equip you, to empower you to do good works. And in doing so, reflect the heart and love of God everywhere you go. So as we take this moment with the God of the universe, throw out any bad pictures of the day of judgment where he's waiting to spank you and yell at you and scream at you. No, he already told you. He remembers your sins no more. That fire is going to burn up any temporary, temporal works. And what's left is going to be a beautiful conversation, celebration, and reward ceremony between you and God for all of the good works you've done during your time on this earth. So as we spend a moment with him, let's remember we're not sitting with a spanker. We're sitting with a loving father, a rewarder, Let's be alone with them. I'm forgiven because you were forsaken. And I'm accepted, God. You were condemned. 
Thanks for listening to this week's message. If you'd like to know more about Gateway Church, please visit our website at www.gatewayscottsdale.tv.